Uh, but praise God for his goodness and his mercy, and uh, it's never-ending. Amen? And I encourage you, I mean, as we said even at the beginning of today's service, don't wait. Like, don't wait to get into the presence of God. I mean, just in the moment that you get wherever you are, you can get into his presence. It's the amazing thing about what Jesus did on the cross, right? It gave us access wherever we are. Before Jesus died on the cross, first things first, only one person could talk to God, which was the high priest, right? He was the one that had the communication. And God spoke through the prophet, and everybody else had to go through them. But when Jesus dies and raises from the grave and the veil is torn from top down to the holies of holies, you and I have direct access to the Father at any time, in any place, and through Jesus. We don't need a mediator. We don't need a go-between. We don't need someone to do it on our behalf. We have direct access. Now, I've shared a story of something that happened to me. I came to Christ when I was eight, but I grew up going to parochial school and, uh, and going to mass and things of that nature. And, and we were practicing Catholics. We were not Catholics, you know, because there's a lot of people who call themselves Catholic and they go to church once a year, right? They're, and they're like, and, and they're Catholic by, um, by like birth and tradition, but they've never done anything, okay? Um, but I came to Christ when I was eight, and I, I, I mean, I fell in love with God, and I fell in love with the Bible and reading the Word of God, which I encourage everybody to do every single day. And uh, when I was in third grade, I came to Christ and, uh, in, that, in the beginning of the year. So I actually stayed two more years in parochial school. Third and fourth grade, I stayed in parochial school. Uh, I went to St. Michael, the Archbishop, over by Dade County Auditorium. Anybody know where that's at? Um, so that was my old stomping grounds. And, uh, and I remember in third grade, uh, they took us, as they would do every class, they would take you over to the chapel for confession. And I had been, again, I fell in love with God. I fell in love with the Bible. started reading it. And uh, Father Quinn was the name. The, the main priest there at that time was Father Paz, uh, like P's, P-A-Z. And, uh, and, and then Father Quinn was like his, if you want to call it second or whatever, right? And so he did a lot of stuff with us at the school. And so I remember they took us into this little chapel, and uh, they were calling everybody in for confession, and so finally my term came in and they called me in and Father Quinn, you know, he looked at me and says, oh, you know, hey, David, you know, whatever, you know, how long has this been since your last, the whole sacrament part, I don't remember how it goes, but y'all, y'all get it. And I looked at him and I said, I don't got to confess to you. And this priest turned about pale as can be, right? And he says, what? And I pulled out my Bible and I read to him the scripture that says there is one mediator between God and man, the person, Jesus Christ. And I looked at him as an eight-year-old can, and said, that's not you. I was at the school for another two years. I was never asked to confess again. <laughs> Ever. But there's something about falling in love with the Word of God and learning what Scripture says. Church, and, and, and please, don't, I don't want anybody to misinterpret me because I'm not talking bad about Catholicism. I know a lot of people that have a firm relationship with Christ and do not worship images that consider themselves Catholic. And, and, and as long as you have a relationship with Christ and you're not putting images, there's a lot of people in the Catholic church that are going to heaven. And there's a lot of people in non-denominational Christian churches around the world that are not. What? Hey. Sitting in here doesn't make you a Christian. Just like sitting in a car will never make you a garage. I mean, uh, uh, sitting in a garage will never make you a car. <laughs> I said it backwards. But hey, sitting in a car will never make you a garage either. 
sitting somewhere doesn't make you. We all had friends that sat with us in high school and college classes that never applied themselves and ended up perhaps not graduating or doing anything with their lives in the same class with the same education with the same thing that you were getting because they never applied it. So it doesn't matter where you're sitting. What are you doing with the word of God and with what God did for you? So I want to make sure I clarify that. I get asked a lot, um, what is the main differentiation? I'm going, I don't know why, but hey, you know, we'll, we'll listen to you, Holy Spirit. The main distinction between Catholicism and if you Christianity, per se, non-denominational Christian church, the biggest difference, Jesus is the same, God's the same, Holy Spirit's the same. Major difference are the images, the idols, and the worship of such. The Bible clearly states, you shall not have any graven images before me. Plain as day. Old Testament, as a matter of fact, it is the second commandment in there, or third, I can't remember right now the list. If you read the Ten Commandments, it is right there. Thou shalt not have any graven images before me. So that is a main distinction. We recognize Mary. God called her as a virgin to birth Jesus. A couple of points after that. Only Jesus did she conceive without having sex. The Bible talks about Jesus' brothers and sisters. They were not immaculate conception. Once she gave birth to Jesus, Joseph knew her and impregnated her. And as husband and wife, had multiple children. So we know that God used her, but we do not worship her, nor pray on her behalf. For there is no communication from heaven for us. There is nobody in heaven praying over us, interceding over us. If you see, and, and again, I guess because all of us summons, we're preparing, I'm preparing a, a, a series for next year on, on angels, demons, heavens, and all this afterlife, all this type of stuff. So I've been reading a lot of these things. And it, it, it's, it's, we have to understand. And even you see it, I'll get back on topic. Um, when Lazarus dies, right? We all know the image of, of Lazarus, right? With the purple coat, with the crutches, and the dogs. If you've been in Hialeah, you've seen a lot of them. Those of you that don't get it have not driven through Hialeah. Some of y'all bought a house in Miami and there's like this encasing with a glass in the front. I was like, man, that's a weird doghouse. It wasn't a doghouse. That's somebody who built that to put a statue in it. Okay? That's what that is. Some of you guys that moved to Miami, you're like, what is this? I've never seen this anywhere in the world because you need a passport to walk around the city. It's different. But any which way, when he dies... The Bible says he goes to Abraham's bosom at the same time that rich man dies, goes to hell. The rich man calls out and says, can you please send Lazarus to speak to my family? Can you send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water and quench? And, and, and it's like there's no connection. While you were on earth, the decision had to have been made. And then they even go a step further. If they didn't listen to the prophets, they ain't going to listen to somebody who came back from the dead. So there is not communication, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I mean, there, there, there is not this thing. Somebody who passed away is not watching over you, is not making intercession on your behalf. 
We do not pray for a person that already passed away. They had to have made their decision while on earth. Pastor, that's harsh. Well, I believe in a merciful God, and I know that there's a lot of people that in that last minute, if they spoke to God, I know my merciful God has opened the door for heaven, and we won't know until we get there. But once the person died on earth, there is no, if I do X, Y, or Z, it's going to get them to get into heaven. Those are major differentiations between the Catholicism, okay, and what we believe. Those are cute. And I can sit here and go through a whole studies of it or, or whatnot. My, I don't know what. My wife says I have a grace to reach the Catholic community. Um, and and uh, maybe it's because I know a lot of it because I grew up in it. Uh, but any which way, I said that to the priest, Father Quinn. Interestingly enough, the next two or three weeks, they removed him from the school. See, he started deviating from the script that they had to speak and started teaching directly out of scripture. And they sent him back to get some more study. I never saw Father Quinn again. I don't know if he came back afterwards or whatever. I was in the school for another year and a half, then I left. Uh, but any which way, you need to read scripture. You need to understand what the Bible says. Because if, just because I'm up here doesn't mean I know it all. Heck, I don't know it all. I had somebody ask me this straight, dead serious face the other day. Pastor, you know, because it's probably easier for you because you're a pastor. I was like, no, I face temptation. I face struggles. I face wanting to get angry. Look, I'm going to give you a perfect example. We went out of town this weekend. And um, the room that we were given was gorgeous. It was beautiful, but there was a problem. The shower didn't work. So we go take a shower, and we turn on the thing, and it don't work. And it was already past 6 p.m. We had gone out on the boat and different stuff. So we, 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 the front desk was closed. Nobody could do anything. So the, the place had like a you know, bathhouse for men and whatever. So I went and showered, came back. Patty went and showered. We got, we got it taken care of, right? I just I was like, man, I'm at a retreat. I was a kid. I went to retreats. This place is actually luxurious based on some of these retreat places I went to. I mean, y'all ever, anybody ever stayed at Camp Oyasa Bauer? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever stayed at Camp Oyasa Bauer? But anyway, choice. Camp Oyasa Bauer, top of US 1 or about 200 some odd street. You Google search it. Now I think they have bathrooms in the rooms, but back then at 3 in the morning you had to go to the bathroom, you had to go walk. But anyways, wait. <laughs> Praying there wasn't an alligator somewhere. <laughs> so the next morning I, I go to the front desk. As soon as they open, I was like, look, you know, we had this issue, you know, again, so they're going to send the maintenance guy. Maintenance guys go over there, and they figured out that if you turned on the shower, and you turned on the sink, water came out through the shower. Cold water, but whatever. It was just, something was wrong. He's like, I don't get it. This is super weird. The maintenance guy couldn't figure it out. He tells the front desk. I go to the front desk, and I was like, listen, you know, this ain't working. I got three kids. You know, I got an eight-year-old, six-year-old, two-year-old. They're like, well, I'm sorry. It's the weekend. We are full. I can't move you anywhere. He's like, all right, no problem. There's one night left. We'll figure it out, right? So the person that we were a guest of, uh, goes to the front desk later, and the same lady says, oh, I offered to move him, but he said, no, it's only one night. Y'all know what I meant, right? Like, isn't they calling me a liar? <laughs> the only thing I got is my word, you know? Like, like does the lady not think that I'm going to tell my, my host, you know, this is you know, whatever, and the thing? Long story short, I was like, we got to go back to the office. Patty's like, loving kindness, tender mercies. <laughs> So I walk in, 
with my guests and it's, or, or, or the person who, of whom I am a guest. And I'm like, man, I just want to clear something up because I'm assuming there was a misunderstanding. You told me that everything was full because it's the weekend. But my friend is saying, you told her you offered me a room and I said no. That doesn't make a lot of sense. See, this is what you told me. And then I, 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 I have a gift. I can declare verbatim what somebody tells me. So I look at her and I, and I declare, it's like, you said da, 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 in a very smiling, like, I, 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 I'm very proud of myself. I got a good grade on this one. Um, no, I, I got an A. I, I, I nailed it. And I, and I was like, you know, it's going to be easier. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the other room. I was tempted to go give her a piece of my mind. What do you mean you offered me a room? You told me you were full. Do you, I mean, you got earwax in I, I could have gone there, right? Can we be honest? I'm a pastor, but I'm in the flesh. I, I am, you know, I, I am skin, flesh. Not that I'm in the flesh. That sounded wrong. But I am flesh and bone like you. We face temptation. How we deal with temptation is what differentiates. And so every single one of us need to read scripture. I'm getting back to where I was talking about. Because even though I'm up here declaring what the word of God says, if I say something that is not in here, that is not backed up by the word of God, I'm wrong. And the Bible's right. But you wouldn't know if you don't read it. You would not know to call out a false teacher or false prophet, and there's a lot of them out there. Jesus said it, that in the last days, people would rise up and say they were coming in his name. If you don't read this, if you hear doctrine based on one verse, because that's how they get you sometimes, they'll tell you, oh, but the scripture says this one thing. The word of God all connects and is intertwined. There's nothing that only says it like one thing. Everything is connected. So people that build this doctrine off one verse, you already know red flags, I mean fireworks, should be coming out over their head saying this ain't right. So all of that, Father Quinn, confession, to tell you, you got to get in the word of God every day. And the Bible is not like a book that you read once and don't pick up again. You read it over and over and over and over. The Word of God is living. You can read the same verse 50 times at different 50 moments of your life and God speak to you differently. Because it's living. So every day, read scripture. Pastor, I've never read the Bible. Where do I start? Start with the book of John. Fourth gospel of the New Testament is the book of John. John talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh, dwelt among us. It's talking about who Jesus is. It goes through the love of Jesus, his compassion, his mercy. You get to understand who Jesus is in the book of John. All the gospels, but start with John. That's a perfect place to start if you've never read your Bible. The book of John. Everybody, what book do we start at? John. John. Read the book of John. Internalize it. You're going to learn who Jesus is, his miracles, 
and all that different stuff. So I encourage you, get into the Word of God. I know that I gave a segue, but we're going to get into the preaching now. Is that okay? You ready? All right. Give God one more hand of praise. Thank you. You guys know me. I, I'll, I'll end up going through a second one. We'll just keep it there. Am I supposed to take, like, labels off? I see people do that all the time. Like, take the labels off. I think this water tastes good. I'm advertising for free. <laughs> all right. Anyways. We have been in a series titled Emojis. We've been talking about emotional intelligence, what emotional intelligence means. By the way, I can't see it in the back, guys. Make sure you switch. In this series, Emojis, we've been talking about our emotions, how to handle our emotions, how to deal with our emotions, what emotional intelligence is, how you know if you have a good depth of your emotional intelligence with empathy and things of the such. We've hit five different emotions. I'm not going to go through them. You can watch them online. We have them all on there for free. But we talked about anger. We've talked about fear. We've talked about anxiety. We talked about sadness, which can lead you to depression. And last week, we talked about happiness or the difference between joy and happiness because there's a great difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on circumstance. Joy comes from God. The scripture in the book of Proverbs calls it a medication to your bones. And we are commanded to rejoice, to be joyful. Okay? We can be joyful and sad at the same time. You can't be sad and happy at the same time, but you can be sad and joyful. And I'll prove it to you. My grandmother passed away some months ago. And I am sad. I was saddened that I will not get to see her in the physical anymore. But at the same time that we were sad, and my dad was sad, and my family, everybody was sad, we could have joy because I remember vividly when she was going to have surgery about 15 or 18 years ago that one of my sisters in Christ, Maritza Ramos, went to the hospital and spent some time with her and talked to her about Jesus, and she declared Jesus as the Lord and Savior of her life. So I know without a shadow of a doubt that she entered into relationship with God, therefore, even though I was sad, I could rejoice that when I get to heaven, she's there. But I can't be happy and sad at the same time because the joy comes from the Lord. And if you didn't hear it, I'm, I, we, I went in depth as to what it means that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you can watch that preaching online. You can get a CD. We, we don't charge for CDs. We give them away so they're there afterwards if you want one, all right? So today, we're going to talk about Love. <laughs> what was that thing that everybody was doing? Kiki, not me. Whatever. <laughs> that famous little thing that people were doing in the video. Y'all like, y'all like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Some of y'all filmed yourselves do it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Come on, millennials, tell me I was right on that one. So anyways, we're going to talk about love. Now, I'm not going to talk about husband-wife love, that type of love, that eros-type love. I'm going to talk about the love that you and all, all of us as Christians are supposed to walk in and talk in. Now, I want to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. The chapter on love, as we all know it, says this, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And now abide hope, love, faith, hope, love. 
these three. But the greatest of these is love. Once more time. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And it leads us to their first point, which is this. Love is the greatest thing. Love is the greatest. It is an emotion that we all long to feel, want people to feel. And some of you are like, no, but love is a decision. When I marry my spouse, I make the decision to continue to work and grow my love. But love is something that is supposed to just happen. That is, it is an emotion that you feel. It is an emotion that you give. And it is that greatest emotion. The second thing is that love is a commandment. It is a mandate. John chapter 13, that gospel that I told you to start reading, if you've never read the Bible, John 13, verses 34 and 35 say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It is a commandment. It is a mandate to love on people. The agape love, unconditional love that God talks about does not have qualifications. It's not something that you do if somebody earns it. Definitely nobody can deserve it. It is something that you offer freely. And we are called to love. What happens is many times you and I as humans, because we, if we're honest with each other, we're selfish people. Humans can be very selfish, can we not? We think of what are we going to get if I show love to this person? What's in it for me to love someone else? You and I are called as a mandate, commandment to love. The world will know us by our love. That's what the book of John says. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. And he that would lay his, life, lay his life down for a friend. And what did Jesus do for us? He laid down his life that we might have access to the Father. We're called to love. It is the greatest. It is a mandate. And it is the most positive emotion that you can feel. Love is the most positive emotion most powerful, positive emotion that we can feel. I mean, don't we get all happy when somebody does something as simple as open a door for us and we're like, wow, man, I found somebody in Miami who still shows love? <laughs> Not everybody's willing to receive it. I, I, I'm one that I will constantly, if I am walking out of a grocery store or Costco or something like that, and I see somebody going out, especially an elderly person that has a box of water or a thing, or if I'm inside the store still getting mine, I, say, I will always ask, ma'am, sir, can I help you put it into your car? Sometimes they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Sometimes they're like, no, you know, like freaking out, like who's this guy asking me, you know, like what's, what's the angle? No angle. You don't got to tip me. You don't got to even say thank you. I'm just offering to help you out. Why? Because I'm called to show love. Oh, but you don't know them. Even more so, they're going to know there's something different about me. And you know the difference about me? 
See, after I put the water in the car, they let me. He's like, thank you so much. I was like, hey, no problem. God bless you. Hmm. They helped me and said, God. And that in and of itself begins to spark something. And that person, many times, because it is an emotion, when you feel love, don't you then show love to someone else? Your mood begins to change. And the inverse is too as well. Somebody doesn't show you, then you get all grumpy and you take it out on your spouse or on the dog or on your kid or on somebody at work because you felt a, something that wasn't love, the absence of love, and therefore now I take it out on everybody else and even on myself. It is a very powerful emotion. And love, this emotion, we get it through connection. It is impossible to feel love or give love if you just sit by yourself all the time. I've had people tell me before, Pastor, I'll try to talk to them here at the church or whatnot, and they're like, no, no, I just, you know, I, I haven't met anybody. I have no friends, nobody that love, all these different things. And then I, I have like a photographic memory. I can like close my eyes and replay the video in my mind. And so I'll, I'll kind of go back and I'll be like, kind of tracing back when I've seen the person. I was like, hey, you know, I kind of noticed something. You always get here after service starts. And as soon as we say amen, or we're getting ready to, you walk out the door. You've never gone to the back to get a cup of coffee. You've never lingered in the lobby when somebody actually greeted you. Today we had Stephen and Claudette, that they opened the door for you, welcome, and the thing. And you, you never even said, you never did anything. So how do you expect to build connection that we need if you don't speak to anybody? If you don't try to talk, if you don't put yourself in the situation, because love requires connection. It requires us listening, putting away your phone. I know some of you are taking notes with your phone. Don't get self-conscious now, okay? <laughs> Self-conscious. I get it. When I see your phones come up in service, I know you're not taking a picture of me, although you might want it, but I know you're taking a picture of what was on the screen. But you're not going to walk in the emotion and feel love if you're trying to talk to somebody and you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, I'm li no, you're not. You're focused on whoever's the other person on the side of this thing or leveling up if you're playing a game. Other topic for another day. Put it down. Meaningful conversation. Listen. Put your eyes. Look at the person in the eyes. We went to an event a couple of weeks ago uh, that Commissioner Joe Martinez had. And uh, one of our brothers and sister, Andy and Nelly, they have a, a business together. They had a booth. They had invited us to come out. So I went with, uh, uh, with uh, Alexandra and with Samantha. Patty had a baby shower that she went to with Abigail. And so I'm there, and, and Nelly said, oh, I want you to meet the commissioner. And I was like, all right, cool. So we go to meet the commissioner, and I had Alexandra, and I had Samantha. And I said, say hello, Mr. You know, commissioner Martinez, shake his hand. And he, this, he looked at them, he says, he the girl shook his hand. Abigail's, I'm sorry, Alexandra's six years old. Samantha's two. And they looked at him, said it, and shook his hand. He's like, oh, my God, I talked to, this is what he said, I talked to adults that don't look at me in the eyes. He was, 
it took them aback. Because we're not used to it. Because now is everything text, everything is email, everything is, no, 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 pick up the phone and call people. Talk to them face to face. So many people that don't know anymore how to have a face to face conversation. You're at home and you text people, come to dinner. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you've seen it in your house, not because of anything else. Like, yep, I didn't want to walk upstairs, so I sent a text. You know one thing, can I be honest? Something that annoys me? I go to a restaurant with my wife and my family and I'll see people sit down and the first thing they do is pull out a phone or an iPad and give it to the kid. My degree is in education, okay? I'm gonna preface this because some of you are gonna get upset and that's okay. My degree is in education. My background is education, and I have worked with high-level kids, low-level kids, normal kids, special need kids, both sides of the spectrum. And right now, the most common label that is given to children is autism. And there are children who have autism, but there are some that have never learned how to socialize because since they were one, they were given a phone <laughs> there are cases that yes the social disorder is there but there are many instances this doesn't have a translation in english so i'm going to say it in spanish where their kid is just un magriado <laughs> as a spoiled brat I know it translates, it doesn't translate the same. <laughs> so you go to a restaurant and you see mom and dad giving a one-year-old and a two-year-old a device. Putting a movie for them to watch while they eat. Many times it's, oh, because I, we I was trying to have a date with my spouse. Listen, stop being cheap. If you don't have family that can watch your child, hire a babysitter at least once every three months and have one-on-one, -on -one because when you're trying to just give them a device, we're having a parenting seminar next month, by the way. <laughs> when you just give a device, now you get mad at the kid because they don't want to eat if they don't have TV. Now you get mad at the kid because you couldn't talk to your spouse because the battery died. Now you get mad at the kid because they hit the wrong button and went off the screen. And then you say, my marriage is on the rocks because we never spend time together. No, you misinvested the time to give quality love. Y'all came to receive from God and God uses me and I'm firm on this with that. Many of our issues today is bad parenting because many parents want to be the friend of their child instead of the parent of their child. I may be my child's friend when they are adult and are raising their children. But right now, I am going to say what I need to say and affirm it with love. Every single time I discipline my daughters, I grab them and I get to their level. <sighs> Abigail's tall, so I don't have to get that low anymore. <laughs> 
and I say, I love you even though I'm punishing you right now. Daddy doesn't love you any less because you did something wrong. Every single time I discipline them, I remind them that I still love them. And my lovely wife keeps me accountable for that, and I do the same. If one of us, for whatever reason, had to come down hard, once the kid goes to timeout, she'll say, hey, let's, either I say to her, she tells me, now let's go affirm. We remind each other. Okay? Because that's what it is. And so we need to connect with people, put away the device, have face-to-face -face interaction, look at them in the eyes. I say to a lot of your children, believe it or not, when I talk to your kids, your teenagers or whatever, if they don't look at me, I would tell them, look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm here. Sorry, if you're not going to do it, somebody's got to. And you decided that God told you to come to 3W Church, so I feel I have then the authority given by you to do it. To help you. But we're talking about love. All of that is done in love. My wife and I have disagreements. Sometimes I'll say th something the way that it shouldn't have come out, or vice versa, but we'll never correct each other in public. We'll wait till we're home. We'll wait till the kids are asleep. And we'll talk. Honey, this happened, it made me upset. I chose not to talk to you about it at that moment because I know you had a big meeting that you were gonna go do, but let's talk about it now. The meeting was done, the pressure was done, nobody was there but us. You know what that tells her? I respect her and I love her and I won't put her down in front of people. You know what that does in turn? She loves me even more. Because it comes through connection. Connection. What we do, what we say, how we say it. And next thing I want to talk about is the fact that love, it's an action. It's an action. 1 John chapter 3. If you go to 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, say this. 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. Love is an action. Don't just tell me you love me. Show me that love. Gary Chapman, very well-known preacher and author, he wrote a book many years ago titled The Five Languages of Love. It is a book focused on marriages. I highly recommend it to every married couple to read. I actually recommend it as part of premarital counseling classes, and whenever I have a marriage counseling, I always talk about this book, The Five Languages of Love. But it can be applied to every interhuman relationship. And the five languages of love as listed by Gary Chapman are receiving gifts, quality time, 
words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch. One more time, it's receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, as humans, we are selfish. What's in it for me? True or not? Okay. So because that is our makeup, we tend to express love in the way that we like to receive love. Does that make sense? I'm going to say it one more time. We tend to express love in the way we like to receive love. Now, at the end of his book, and he has now, there's, there's five languages of love for children, uh, for, your, for your children, there's for your family members. They just came out with one for the workplace and things of that nature. But the principle is the same. And at the end of it, there's a little quiz for you to take to determine what is your principal love language and what is your secondary one. So what happens is many times we are speaking a language of love which the person we're trying to love does not speak. For example, you're someone who speaks in the language of love of gifts, so you try to give people something and that person receives love as words of affirmation. They don't need anything from you. They just want you to actually say, hey man, you look good today. You're doing a great job. Those are new shoes, they're nice. They wanna hear a word of affirmation. And so this translates to every relationship that we have as, with people. We need to be aware of how people receive love so that we can love them the way they receive it. I, I, I don't receive love through physical touch. I don't like people touching me. Ask my wife. We've been married for 12 years, almost 13. It'll be in January. And we've known each other since the very young. I, I am not a fan of hands off me. I'm not. I've never gotten a massage. If we go on a vacation that's just us and she wants a massage, I, we will pay for it. Not that I, we will pay for it. And I'll go play volleyball while she has her massage. I'm not going to go sunbathe either. I'll go play some volleyball. I like to do, right? So here you are. You're a person who receives it by touch. And you come up, Pastor, how you doing? And you or to anybody else. And they kind of take a step back maybe. And you're like, oh, they rejected me. No, they just don't speak the same language you do. And we need to be aware. Just because you receive it one way doesn't mean that everyone does, which is what happens many times in marriages. And again, it goes to every relationship. But specifically, it's easier to give examples of that. So for example, you have a husband who receives love with acts of service and a wife who receives love with words of affirmation. So the husband says, man, you know what? I got out of work early today. My wife's not there yet, and let me surprise her. Let me do a load of laundry. And they go and they do a load of laundry, and they fold it, and they put it away. And the wife gets home and says, why'd you do that? The husband's like, I will never help around this house again. <laughs> I, am not, I am not getting rejected that way again. Because he received love through acts of service, he was expecting spouse, or again, you can put this with children, with anybody. Does that make sense? They're going to receive it the same way. She wanted to walk in from having had just gotten her nails done, and the husband said, wow, those look great. You're doing a great job raising our children. 
wow, you know what? That dinner was awesome. That's what they wanted to hear. So the husband's like, you know, there the wife's like, man, honey, you're doing an awesome job, you know, whatever, with something else, whatever, man. He's like, I don't receive that. He wants you one day to show up and mow the lawn. It took a few seconds for people to get it. I'm trying to show you what an act of service is. You do something, right? Don't worry, I don't mow my lawn either. I pay somebody to do it. It's way too hot in Miami. <laughs> Pastor Joel Osteen has an interesting testimony that he shares. Um, he says he had this awesome, like, ride lawn mower that he had. And, um, and he says that, you know, God put it in his heart to give it to his neighbor. And he's like, but God, it's, it's beautiful. I paid for it. He'd never used it. But it was, you know, it's his and it's whatever. And he felt God tell him one day, said this. If you don't give it away, you're going to have to start cutting your own grass. He called his neighbor right away and said, come pick up a new lawnmower. <laughs> it's the example. We need to give love and speak it in the way that the other person receives it. But can I tell you what part of the problem with us and love is? This is, this is key. I need everybody to hear this. Many of us don't know how to receive love. Somebody tries to compliment you and say, hey man, you know that, that shirt, is it new? Oh, what, this old thing? I'm never making a comment again. Hey, you know, uh, um, I, I think you did a great, you know, your boss goes up to you. I think you're doing a great job. Oh no, you know, I messed up on this and I'm just trying to get better because I want to do this. Bro, shut up and learn how to receive a compliment. Because here's the truth. If you don't know how to receive love, you're never going to be able to accurately give love because you cannot give what you don't have. Somebody comes up after serving and be like, hey, pastor, you know that, that, that message was just for me. Or, pastor, I can tell you've put a lot of study to get this sermon series ready. I can be like, oh, humble, amen, you know, it's God, it's not me, you know, whatever. Or I can actually be like, thank you for recognizing that I'm putting effort to feed you too. Oh, I'm surprised you said thank you and that you received my compliment. Well, I'm not going to reject your compliment. What do you teach your children? Hey, if you go somewhere and they give you something, you say thank you with a smile from ear to ear. I don't care if you got seven of them at home. Some of y'all, somebody comes to give you a gift. Oh, thanks. I don't need this. I already have one. Mm, go get some manners. Learn how to receive love. Because this person may be trying to love on you and you're rejecting that love. Now, if they rejected your love, don't get on a soapbox and a pity party. Pray that that person then learns how to love too. And then check yourself because perhaps you're just trying to love on people in a way that that's not how they receive love. I'm going to give you a couple of enemies of love. Enemies of love. Isolation and selfishness. Isolation and selfishness. You cannot love anybody or feel love if you're by yourself. Nobody wants me. 
Nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants to think, guys, you got a church full of people that want to love on you. You have pastors in this church that want to be there with you. If you're dealing with something, if you're going with something, you're going through something, don't do it alone. We talked about isolation during our preaching on anxiety and during our preaching on sadness. Isolation, being by yourself makes you want to stay there and at times even get to a point where you're so deep in the hole that you want to take your own life. Because you don't have anybody. But there's people around you ready to be loved and to love on you. You just got to get away from being by yourself. You're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with depression. You're dealing with pain. You're dealing with whatever. It's okay. But don't do it alone because I can't love on you if you put yourself in a corner and I can't reach you. Well, I'm not going to call them because they should call me and apologize and do this and do the other. And the other person's over here. Well, I'm not going to call because they should apologize and they should do this. And both people are not calling because the other person isn't picking up the phone. Get rid of the selfish pride and the isolation and begin to show the love. But you don't know what they did. Have we not looked at the film of what we did for which Jesus died on the cross? Or did you think that the Romans crucified Jesus or the Jews? No, 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 no. The Romans and the Jews did not crucify Jesus. Your sin and my sin held Jesus to that cross. You want to debate church history? Go talk to Pastor Fernie later, okay? <laughs> Physically, yes, the Jews said crucify him. The Romans did the crucifixion. But it wasn't a nail that held Jesus, held Jesus to a cross. You know what it was? It was the act of service of love, of him giving his life so that we might be able to have access to the Father. It was him showing love. And we need to go and show love. We need to learn how to receive love. We need to put the effort of knowing the people around us to be able to help them and show them love. But church, you cannot give that which you do not have. You can't give it. And my prayer every day is, Lord, help me show love, but also help me know how to receive it. And the selfishness. What about me? What about what you did to me? What about this or what about the other or what about this? And what? Stop talking about the what it or what if. Get over it <coughs> so that you can do what God wants you to do. And then 
Let God heal, deliver, restore, clothe, cover. The devil wants us to be isolated. He wants us to stay in our selfishness. I'll go back to God when I fix myself. When I get over this. When this happens. See, this is what happens. Many times, people in the financial part of, of God and in, in, in tithing and giving, they give to get. I'm going to give in order to receive the blessing tenfold, thirtyfold, hundredfold. We're doing a sermon series in a couple of, uh, starting in September called Blessed Life, which we're going to talk about a lot of these different principles in our life. And so that same philosophy we take into our love, we love to get. We love people in order to get something from people. We love people in order to be able to receive something from them. So because we're trying to love to get, it's not real love, it's manipulation. And scripture says that manipulation is as a sin as witchcraft. Hmm. Some of y'all getting that part. We are walking in a manipulative love because of our selfishness. Because it's all about how is it going to benefit me. And last time I checked, if there was a piece of bread left and my kid was hungry, I'm fasting for the night and my kid's eating the bread. That's love. I put away self so that other may be blessed. Church, let's love people. Not because of who they are, not because of what they are, not because of what they can do, not because of who they're connected to. Let's just love people. Because by that, the world will know that we are his. If we have love for one another. Church, it's a mandate, a command to love. It is a powerful emotion. But very important to remember this love. That love is an like action. It. It's an action. It's an action. Love's an action. Mm -hmm.